I'd like to just start this 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 part, this session. Um, as you notice, it's kind of like sh- I'm just streaming my talk over a number of whatever happens, happens. I just kind of flow with it, and where it goes, it goes. But um, I'd like to start this point, this part of it, talking a little bit about what you experienced in your prayer. You know, what what did you experience in your prayer, or or things that maybe God said to you in prayer, and that might mean just you know, whatever you, you feel comfortable sharing or talking about or, or questions. Um, anyone? So uh, some of this stuff on the, on the foundation of consciousness. Yeah. Sure. So you know. Sure. Yeah, I understand. That's why I wanted to clarify. I just looked for some examinations. You always got to kind of, when you look at examination of conscience, again, sin is sin, and you know in your heart when a distraction becomes more like, oh, I'm going to, who cares? It's more like a who cares attitude as opposed to a, a normal distraction is a normal distraction. You know? You. You know, uh, you got to kind of discern that, you know, and, it, and pr- appropriate dress would depend on what you're able to dress with and what you can't dress with, you know. Like if you go to a wedding, you dress up. When you go to Mass, we should wear the proper attire, you know. We should be, it's the wedding feast of, the, it's heaven and earth. It's God, Jesus' wedding. That's what the Mass is. It's Jesus' wedding with the church who's his bride. So, you know, when you go to Mass, you want to, you know, I think I think it's good to dress up. You know, I think it's good to to. It it just brings a natural sense of reverence to the what's going on at the mass as well. We've kind of lost that in our society. We've kind of got a little lackadaisical about our dress attire at, at the mass. Um, not that I would never tell anyone not to come because they aren't dressed. Um, but I, I think it's good for as fathers, you know, to also lead out an example in that way. That's, you know, but again, as far as level of sin, I mean, God's happier there. But then again, it's like, okay, I can, what, what could I improve a little with that? And if dress is your, if dress is your only problem, praise God. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying, though. You can get a little bit too nitpicky somewhat in some of it. You just got to discern it as you read it. Um, but I said, look for the, the major vices that you see that that brings up in you. Um, you know, that's, yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, if you deliberately miss it. Yeah, like if you're like, as a priest. Well, see, as a priest, if you can now, if you if you can find another mass and you did it on, per, you know. Again, that's there's a lot of masses that happen. Like you can find masses all all the time in in Omaha. But like if you miss mass deliberately, okay, that's a sin. But like I have people all the time. They're sick in the hospital. Like Father, I miss mass. I'm like, that's not a sin. But see, people got that on their conscience, um, so they want to share. But I I just tell them, you know, hey, you're sick, you know. But it, like my dad, for example, he works. He has to work on certain Sundays, and he can't get away from that and you know if he misses mass it's not I don't consider that a sin it's not his heart's not wanting to miss mass but he can't because he's sad but work sometimes has that happen to you you know but I, that's kind of what I would say with that um, again you just use prudence in the sense that you don't use that as an excuse to say oh I'm going to take the other flight yeah. you know <laughs> You know what I'm saying. It's common sense with it, yeah. Yeah, you've got to kind of read that and discern it as you go through it. Um, but sin is sin. We call it what it is. When it is sin, you know, we name it. Not to be afraid of, of that. Anyone else? That's it. I'm just now I'm just <laughs> nah. Good question. Next now I'm just there. Um I mean I would say like to, to me, like I said at the end of the adoration time, sometimes when we pray we try to get somewhere else so we can feel like now we're praying. For some reason it's like, okay, now I'm praying. But the problem with that is Prayer is sharing your humanity with God wherever you are. Like being with God where you are is prayer. The problem is, is we think we have to connect in some way or certain way with God. And God's always present. He's there. He's living in us. He's just saying, give me your yes to where you are. And let me begin to work from there. Um, that's, that's why I was saying at the end of the adoration Take the next five minutes to embrace where you are. Say it. Hear yourself say it. You know, you, know, you could say it under your breath, but Jesus, I choose to feel what I'm feeling right now. I choose to struggle where I'm struggling. I accept. I yield to that. That's where I am. And Lord, I unite it to you for the salvation of souls. This is important because if you don't go there, you're going to spend all your prayer time trying to get somewhere. And then when you get there, you're going to try to get somewhere else. And you get there, you're going to try to get somewhere else. So you've you got to get out of that, I'm trying to get to this point, so then I'm praying. 
Then you get there and you're like, okay, now what? Then you start to try to get somewhere else. It's like just be where you are. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and move you. Um, that doesn't mean you see, you know, uh, something coming by your mind and you just chase everything that you see in your mind. You know, I just kind of use an image. When I pray, I use an image of sitting on the bank of a, of a river and I watch things go by. But I don't like run up, jump into the water and swim after everything I see. <laughs> You know, you kind of see it as a stream of consciousness. Next, you know, it just goes by. There it goes. Goodbye. You know, wave it goodbye and just keep focused. Um, be there with God. Be present. Um, you know, that's kind of what I would suggest. Yeah. I mean, you guys might have suggestions too. I mean, yeah. Change the subject. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Same sex marriage yeah. and all those perversions. Uh-huh. I think we are really in trouble in this country uh-huh. in that regard. Sure. I'm not sure what, uh, how far to go. Uh, the other night I heard uh, Paul Ryan say he would accept abortions in uh, rape, incest, mm-hmm. and uh, one other thing. Like mm-hmm. His wife and the mother. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've let things go a long time, and, and this is why we are where we are. Because this is where, you know, we, we just got to learn to be instruments of God and speak out on the truth concerning abortion, same-sex marriage, all these things that just contradict biology and God's obvious design and plan for humanity. And, and we could have a, maybe in, in midnight we'll do a debate in the next room, huh? <laughs> Now I'm just I agree with you. Um, there's there's a uh, there's a lot there, but like, how do we change the hearts and minds of people? We can't. Only God can. But we can participate in bringing them graces, and that's where the whole prayer thing comes in, is bringing people into this humility, into this truth. Like, how do we bring people into truth? We witness to it ourselves. The reason there's abortions is because a lot of fathers aren't fathers. Bottom line, if dads were dads and fought for their babies and kids, not, as, not near as many women would be having abortions. I mean, that's the truth. Like, there's a book called Fatherless. I don't know if anyone's ever read that. It's a, it's a great book called Fatherless. Um, and, and, and our culture, you know, a lot of kids don't grow up even having a dad today. Sadly. But it's true. This is where we are. But we've got we to gotta be where we are and invest where we are and fight for where we are and bring truth so you're right, but but how do we change that? I think it's one person at a time, starting with moi, me, myself, and I. How can I be better, more pro-life in my in my prayer life? How do I embrace humanity in my prayer? You see? Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, guys, this is a big thing. You know, Lou mentions here is Mary. Mary is a huge part of us as men learning how to pray. Mary teaches us how to embrace God, how to receive God. She's the ultimate receiver of God himself. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a major spiritual war and battle going on, no doubt. And I, as I said before, 
women are attacked because they can bring us the gift of new life children. And Satan knows that. Do you have a question? Someone else was raising their hand. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. You know, and I like to think of the church like a treatment, a treatment center, <laughs> where we've all checked ourselves in, and we're all going through withdrawal from the digital world. Really, that's what happens. That's why we get distracted. A lot of our distractions are as we're so used to. If you watch a commercial, do you know how many frames happen in a commercial? I mean, it's like tons of different scenes happen in one commercial. So we're taught to like rapidly think and therefore never think. Because when you think so many things on the surface, you never really think deeply at all. And so we have a culture we're actually forming to just think a lot of little thoughts rapidly, but never think of one thing and be able to stay with it and ponder the depths and mind the riches of that truth. You know, and, and that's where, again, we, we have to bring people to, to that place of Calvary where we're not afraid to lay our lives down in that silence. Um, at least, have it, try this sometime in your journaling, but journal to the part of you that can't sit still. It might sound weird, but what's, what's happening is you're starting to... God's going to reconcile the new you with the old you. You know, St. Paul talks about this. Put off the old self. Put on the new man. What's he talking about? He says, there's a battle going on in me between the new and the old. The new you wants to be in silence and wants to listen and wants to receive and wants to be childlike and, and wants to be at peace. The old you is like, okay... You prayed enough, let's go watch TV. Okay, you prayed enough, let's go do this. Okay, you prayed enough, you know, now what? And you got to, that's where you got journal to that. This helped me a lot. When I, when I did a lot of silent retreats, I would journal to that part of me. Because what's happening? If you understand your baptism, the Trinity's within you. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell within us. The Father in you will journal or speak to the Son in you through the Holy Spirit. And the Son in you will respond to the Father in you. There's an inner dialogue going on between the Father in you and the Son in you. And the Father in you is trying to bring the Son in you into your true identity, into, into being Jesus. And, and as you talk, just like a... One way that's to maybe make it visual for you is imagine a child. Imagine a child coming to you with your problems. And you sitting down with the little child um, and you're just talking to him. You journal to that part of you that is struggling. That's helped me a lot. Because um, when you start to understand how 
the Trinity lives within you, and there's this dialogue going on. You'll, you'll notice the Father in you speaking to the child. And, and that brings healing to a child. When a child hears the Father's voice, children, they feel safe. I remember as a kid, my dad ain't home from work. I'd be sitting on the couch. I couldn't go to bed until I saw him pull in the driveway. You know how your kid, I don't know if you have kids that, you know, they, 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 they worry about you. They're thinking about you. Like kids, that's how we are. We're thinking, we, we need to hear the Father's voice. We need to know He's there. And that's a lot of times why we're a little giddier in our prayer. We're like, where's he at? Where's he at? We, you know, you get lost in, how many of you have been lost in a department store as a kid? I have, you know. You set off, did you ever set off the alarms at Walmart? I have. <laughs> I mean, you know, you panic, you're looking for help. But anyhow, it's like, that's in us all. A lot of our distractions can be a little bit of that fearfulness, that panic. And to be in touch with that reality and journal to that, you know, like, just like you talk to your own son or daughter that's afraid. You, you bring them peace by your, by your voice, by your presence. Um, you know, or you check out and then, again, that doesn't help, right? Dad's not nowhere to be found. That's hurting the little kid inside. The little kid's even then, he grows up terrified or she grows up afraid. God made us to have a father. That's just how we are. Quick question on journaling. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard for guys. Like I, I've taught women and men how to journal and I found that women pick it up really quick for the most part. We as guys struggle with it, and um, I don't think it's all bad that we struggle with it, (laughs) but women are just naturally interior-oriented, right? Think about it. Their bodies are made to weave life together. They're, They're oriented interiorly. The person is in them. They weave life. We are ordered outwardly. We're ordered to go out. We're ordered to serve, to go out, to save, to minister, to protect, provide. Men are, order, men are designed to go out. That's like women, the kids are like, you know, whatever, 14, 15, 16, and she wants to keep them at home. You're like, get out and get a job. <laughs> right? It's part of a dad's job is to say, you gotta, we got to prepare the kids to get out and do and work. And mom wants to keep them in. So, Part of that journaling experience is we're naturally not so much ordered interiorly, but we can be interior. And I think we can learn from, um, ask our Blessed Mother to help us, ask the saints, ask, you know, um, you want to surprise your wife, say, can you help me journal? <laughs> yeah. No, but um, that's a good question. Like for me, guys, um, Sometimes my journaling goes well, sometimes it doesn't. I might, in one day, one of my journal sessions might be two or three sentences. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm still, I'm choosing to give God access to my humanity. That's key. He wants to come into our humanity. So like, I might write three sentences. Jesus, I'm tired. Good night. Going to bed. (laughs) Well, at least I said something. You know, and, and there's something about bringing into the, like journaling. Um, one of the things with journaling uh, that I find 
is when you journal, um, when you journal, you are, the key to journaling is, is be honest, honesty. Start where you are. Don't like journal where you want to be. Journal where you are. And, and, and tell the Lord, this is what I'm seeing. You're giving Him access to where you are, then He'll bring you to where you need to be. Often we're like trying to get somewhere in our journaling. It's like, no. See, we, again, we're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to accomplish something. It's been accomplished on the cross. Always go back to that. He says, it's finished. Journaling is about you sharing with God where you are so that God can share Himself with you, empower you, give you grace, give you strength to serve, as we were talking, to love because you're loved, to live in that freedom, to live in that joy. But, you know, for me, journaling starts with honesty. Lord, I hate work. (laughs) I hate journaling. You might write that. I hate journaling. You know, like, how many of you, when you get up in the morning, like, can't stand going to work. You know, like, I hate going to work right now. Like, I don't want to go. I can't stand where I'm going, the place I'm going to. I don't like anybody there. You know, they all seem to want to, like, suck life out of me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'm not speaking of me. No, sometimes, yeah, sometimes me. So sometimes, you know, be honest. Like, the reason we get bored and the reason we guys check out is because we're not engaging life with the environment at work is wrong. Let's say it's accepted. Like, okay, the work environment stinks. It's wrong. It's crap. I don't like it. But I'm not going to go in and say, let them neuter me. I'm going to go into work and I'm going to give myself and me, and I'm not going to let them, if you will, control me and suck the masculinity out of me. And I think this is why a lot of times as men we start to get like, we don't really engage work and life anymore because we've kind of just surrendered to like, this is how things are, that's it, throw in the towel and we're done. But I think we've got to reclaim the fight and reclaim it. And, and that's what this prayer and journaling is all about. It's re-engaging in the fight, in the battle. I'm going into work and I'm bringing Christ there. In whatever way Jesus decides to use me there, I'm going to bring him there. It might be going to that intercessory style of living. Okay, Jesus, I'm feeling like I'm being sucked of energy at work right now. I, I don't like this. But Jesus, I unite this with you. At the, somewhere there's a Mass going on. I join this to you at the Mass being offered for somewhere in the world. And Lord, I unite it for all those who, who are giving up on life. So you're taking your suffering, your cross, and you're turning it into a prayer as opposed to, how do I get rid of this cross? It's too big. I'll never get rid of it. I'll never change anyone. God's not asking you to change anyone or kill do the changing. He's going to do it His way and His time and His way. But you can be a part of winning graces for those people at work. You can go into work with the ball in your hands in, in a sense of run, you're on offense. I think so often as Christians, we're playing defense. We're always on defense. It's like, they always got the ball. That's where we go wrong. We got the ball, and we need to run the ball. And, and they need to then see, okay, 
this guy has something different that I'd like to have. He has confidence. He doesn't seem to let all this crap go on. Because you're not the only one that thinks work is crappy at times, right? Other people are like, I don't want to be here either. But they don't say it. Nobody says it. And in your journaling, you should be saying that kind of stuff. If you're not honest with God, you're never going to be honest with yourself and anyone. And I think, see, you get, we get used to being dishonest in our prayer. Because we don't think God wants to hear it. Because no one else wants to hear it. This is where we go wrong. Children don't do that. If children have a problem, they come to you and they tell you, you know, especially the little ones, right? But we got to like speak it out to God with a childlike heart. And so journaling has a lot to do with, the word I like to use is brutal honesty. Be brutally honest. And I'll be honest with you, um, and I'll get right to you, Mike. Um, my prayer life changed. You know when it changed? I was in a religious community for like five years in the intercessor community, which has been suppressed now. But um, when I was in that community, I learned a lot about prayer. And one of the things I learned about is being brutally honest in prayer and learning how to bring to the Lord where I am and stop trying to be somewhere else, like I'm sharing with you guys. And one day I was in prayer, and I wrote, and I could find I got on my journals. I wrote it in my journal, I'm like, God, I hate you. I wrote it, because that's what I felt. And I mean, it might sound like offensive, but it's just how I felt. And I was just saying, he knows what I feel anyhow. Why, why hide it? I'm like, God, I hate you. I can't stand being with you. I'm tired of always feeling like I have to always change. I have to always be better. I have to always, like, it started to, like, break open my heart. I started feeling the pain that my screwed up image of God created in me. And then what God told me, and it was clear. When I was honest with God, you know what he said to me? He goes, now I can tell you who I really am. Because I spent my whole life thinking, I can't say I hate God. I mean, I'm not allowed to do that. Well, I wasn't really hating God. I was hating who I believed he was, who he really isn't. So pay attention to your heart. Your heart knows who God is. And if there's a part of your heart that's resisting prayer in God, it's probably because there's a part of your heart that's received a lie about who God is. Like if your kids thought, you know, those of you that have children, it, or, or let's say a friend or whatever you can relate to. Um, if you, let's say if your kids believe that, um, that you were going to hit them or, or, or cruelly beat them because they broke a dish, they're never going to be honest with you. Same with our image of God. If I believe God is going to like be super disappointed in me. And what's funny about this all is he knows everything. And then I'm still trying to hide stuff. It's like not even rational. But because of our human relationships. This is how we relate to human beings. So we, we take our human relations and we paste them into our relationship to God. And we think it happens the same way. God is perfect love. That's why we need faith. Because faith allows you to believe in perfect love. Your human experience will never be perfect all the time love. Never. You're not going to meet one human being on the face of the earth that will love you like God loves you all the time. You're going to... But, but you want that. And if you, can, if you can touch that desire in you that wants to be loved all the time, 
Like, think of the freedom. Christ set us free, it says in the Bible, for freedom's sake. He set us free for freedom's sake. What did He set us free from? The lies about who the Father is. Think of who Jesus is. He's the Word of the Father. The Father speaks His Word through His Son so that He can correct Satan's Word about who God is. What happened in the garden in Genesis? Satan told Adam and Eve who God is. And they got afraid. And what did they do? They grabbed for the fruit. Crap, maybe he's right. We better find out. Take the fruit, eat it. We got to know for sure. So they took the fruit and ate it. But they bought into Satan's word about who God is. And then the the same word that Adam and Eve rejected in Eden became flesh through Mary. And Jesus comes to us and says, Turn to me. Turn away from Satan's word and turn to my word. Turn to me. I am the word. Do you understand? So the word that Satan fed to Adam and Eve got into human, the human system, if you will. The human, this we call original sin. We contract original sin. Original sin's been passed on all throughout time. What is that original sin? It's the original lie that Satan fed to Adam and Eve about who the Father is. You and I hear echoes of that in our own life. We all have echoes of Eden. We are Adams that are in the Eve, Eden. We are the Adams. And all of us struggle with that, that echo of Satan. This is who the Father is until we, we, we shut down. But that word became flesh. So what does the word repent mean? To turn from, turn away from. What are we turning away from when, when we repent? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We turn from Satan's word to the word, the eternal word, Jesus. So repentance is leaving the lies, speaking or receiving the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to the Father. You could see the importance of this, this, this all in our prayer lives, how we get in touch with the spiritual war that's happening, you know. So journaling for me is summed up with being brutally honest, you know. You should see some of my journaling. I'd probably be arrested if anyone saw it. <laughs> I mean, my ch- when I'm getting angry, like, I mean, I write, you sometimes just like, you just let your heart, the, the, like you put a pen in your heart's hand and you just step back. Like imagine your heart is, is like you and you just put a pen in your heart's little hand and you just step back and let your heart go. Don't judge your heart. Don't critique your heart. Don't uh, analyze your heart. Just let your heart speak. That's what children do, right? They just speak. No edit. Just let it come out. And that's important. We have to have a place where we can be raw, real, and honest. And I think as men, this is where we need to be leaders to all, to Christ. Christ gives us permission to be brutally honest. When you know how much the Father loves you, you know, and, and, and it was hard for me to say, God, I hate you, because I thought that was really God. But I was like, I can't lie to myself. I don't like Him the way I think He is. And, and a lot of this has to do with how we've all grown up with our own fathers. You could see that. How the, the lie of our fathers, that our fathers aren't perfect. And maybe a part of this retreat is you forgiving your father. And this, is, this was a huge healing in my life when I forgave my mom and dad for passing on to me the lies about love that they gave to me. 
Not intentionally they didn't. They're like, I'm going to lie to my kids. No. But they did the best they could. And your parents did too. They fall way short. But we all hurt because of that. And we've all learned about love through, most of us, through mom and dad or mom or dad, right? And so that parental authority figure, this is why we, we hate authority. This is why we buck against authority. Because we are afraid to be ourselves. And you could see this is spiritual warfare. Does that help a little? Like journaling. But brutal honesty, guys. Dare to, dare to be brutally honest in your journaling. And you might just like, you know what I'll do sometimes? I'll get in my car, turn on the radio or something, and I'll just drive and I'll just talk to God. And sometimes I'm screaming to God, like, what is going on? But see, God wants us to be raw and honest. Like, I'm like, what are these, you know, like, I'll just speak out whatever I'm feeling, you know? You've got to let it out. You, you can't, you know, you've you got to give yourself permission to be honest. That's what prayer is. And I think this is why we sometimes find prayer to be not very interesting or boring. Because we've stopped being honest in prayer. Like I was, I don't know if you don't know, if any of you know Father Mark Nolte. He's a friend of mine. And he just was on a retreat. And we were talking the other day. And he was saying, you know, one of the greatest healings he got on his retreat was... Um, he came back to that place of brutal honesty. And he was sharing with a couple about his retreat. And the two wives were there and the husbands were there. And, and they were talking about, he was talking about how we need to get out. Let it out. Let the poison, the venom out that's come into us. You know, let it out. And, and be okay with that. So he, he um, the, the two husbands were like, Hey, Father, we have some glass bottles <laughs> So they went outside, <laughs> and the two wives were like throwing the glass bottles against the wall, screaming stuff that they got hurt with in their life. Because there was, I guess, there were situations that happened in their, whatever, their history that hurt them. But they, they felt like good to get that crap out, to get it out, you know? What happens when, when you don't crap, right? It's not good. Well, we don't want to hold spiritual crap in, right? Get it out. And this is what the Lord wants to... The Lord wants us to be free to get all this crap out. And this is what... Now, there's a place and a time to get the crap out. There's a time not to, right? Like, you don't do this with people. Only God... This You and you and God. You take... That's why a journal is a sacred place where you and God can be raw and honest. You know, and that's why if we don't do it in the journal, guess what? It comes out in other places and people get hurt. Bottom line. It, it, you can only hold it in so long. And, and repressed anger is depression. When you repress anger, you're going to get depressed eventually. And I found my, the freedom in my life that came when I started giving God permission. When I gave myself permission in the presence of God to just get all that stuff out, God started healing me. I started finding freedom. I started finding a whole new experience. My life changed. But see, that came through that honesty. That's why I say go back to honesty. So, and it doesn't mean you have to like pretend to be mad in your journal or something. <laughs> but like, don't be afraid to go there, you know. And we are afraid of sometimes our anger and to go like, I can't be angry with God. It's like, 
you know, and this is why there's a fine line between, there's a, there's a, you know, God is almighty God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the alpha, the omega. He is the all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent father, but he's our daddy. You can't say he's, this is the difference. Like, this is why the Jews were scandalized by Jesus. He said, Art, he called God his daddy. This guy's, he's, he's nuts. You can't call God your daddy. You're a human being. You can't. See, Jesus scandalized the Jewish leaders because of his intimate familiarity with the Father. See, Jesus brought a whole new dimension of intimacy with the Father that we didn't thus have until he came. He reveals the Father. That's the whole purpose of his mission, to reveal the Father. That's why being men, it's a privilege to be men because... We're called to be fathers. We're called to embody the Father's love by being Christ. Jesus is the Father's embrace. When we love people the way the Father loves, when you give your kids permission to be honest, give them permission to be angry, give your wife permission, give them permission. Don't judge, don't critique, don't say you can't say that, you can't do that. Let them. The Father's big enough to handle this and we can handle it with God's help and grace. But when they are given that permission, you find that they experience God's healing power. And this is where you are a part of casting demons out of their lives. When you love people the way God loves them, you cast demons out. That's what, that's what it means to deliver people. Deliver us, you know, we pray, right? Deliver us from evil. That's what we pray in the Our Father. People want peace. You can't have peace unless you're honest, brutally, who you are. And again, a lot of, if you notice a lot of music, like some of the, some of the harder, heavier music or, or some of the rap music, um, they speak a lot about anger and hurt. But the problem with that music is they stop there. If you stop at just the anger and hate, it just keeps cycling. See, without God, without somewhere to give that anger away, forgiveness, that's what it is. You've got to give it away. You've got to forgive um, it's never going to be healing for anybody. You know, like some of that rap music you listen, you know, I don't know if you guys listen to but some of this rap music that these young kids listen to, like what, Eminem and all that stuff, you know. He, he, a lot of these kids like that because there's a raw honesty to it. But the problem is, is it starts to, it just stays there and it festers and it festers and it creates violence rather than what do I do with it? Okay, now I have access to it. Now what? Well, as Christians, we say, okay, now you forgive. You re-. The word forgive, guys, means to release. Try this in prayer somewhere. This is a good prayer exercise. Think of someone that's hurt you or someone you're really angry with. Squeeze your fists in prayer as long as you can hold them. Squeeze them as tight as you can. And this is what you're doing to the person that you're not forgiving. You're squeezing and you're holding on to them. And you wonder why you're getting tired because you're holding on to them. And it, after you get so tired... You just say, Jesus, I release to you this person that's hurt me. And there's something about making sacramental in our bodies what's going on in our souls. Release them. We, we bless with our bodies. We anoint the body. We, the body is sacred. So releasing somebody to God. Give them to God. Give your moms and dads to God. Those who've hurt you, whoever, abuse. It's time to give them to the Lord. 
Because it's not doing any good to, for you and I to hold on and cling to someone. We can't help them. Only God can. And actually, if you don't give them to God, you're keeping God from helping them. And uh, so if you want someone to change, give them to God. If you want someone not to change, don't forgive them and hold on to them. And they'll never change. And they'll just keep hurting you. If you want them to change, release them to God. He's God, I'm not. I know it's a long footnote, but... <laughs> but anyhow, so anyone else? Any? Oh, Mike, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Nice. No, I understand. That's good. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a risk in a fallout. I mean, there are people around us who we love. Yeah. That, you know, it could be family members, yeah. parents, sons and daughters, uh-huh. you know, sisters and brothers, yeah. wives. You know, that, uh, you know, they're there. Yeah. The reality is, you, know, you want to try to renew sure. this thing. You want to uh-huh. have a relationship with God. And, you know, the, the hard part is we have to make choices. Sure. And you got to, you know, you got to discern in your own heart and life where you. Each situation is different. Every person's different that you deal with, and you can always release them spiritually to God. Um, where do you stop protecting them, maybe, or keep intervening? You sometimes just got to discern that with the Lord and. Um, you don't want to enable people because everyone's got to find their weakness and I think it's hard for us to let people fall on their face but sometimes granted within reason using prudence um, as you know we, we all fall in on our face in different ways and that's sometimes the best thing that can happen um, yeah I mean it's, it's just discernment I think discerning but you don't you don't have if 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 you let people take your joy away, you're giving them way too much power over you. No one can take your peace and your joy. Nobody. If it does go, it's because we're giving people too much power to do it. Jesus, even on the cross, he had peace in his spirit. He felt abandoned, he felt distraught, he felt, you might feel a lot of things, but deeper, the deeper level of your human spirit can know who you are still and know that God's still God and God's still in charge and I don't have to like crumble and fall apart because I can't handle this situation. You're not supposed to, God is. And, and there's only so much we can do to intervene and help, we've got to just trust it to the Lord. But I think that's important, like... Again, people don't like people do not determine our happiness and peace. God does. We can make if you make people into idols, then you're giving them way too much power. You know, nobody can take my peace. I can be in the most miserable situation. I mean, it's it's proven. The saints, some of the saints, you know, Saint Lawrence, he burned on a grill. He's like, turn me over. I'm done on this side. I mean, that guy's either nuts or he's got the Lord, right? I mean, you can have peace in the most difficult moments. And it doesn't depend on my ability. It's Christ is with me. That's my peace. Jesus is with me. 
And this little bit of suffering I'm going through will eventually end. Remember, all, all suffering in this life will cease ultimately. If we accept Christ. <laughs> Otherwise it continues on. I always say, you follow Jesus, you'll suffer. You don't follow Jesus, you'll suffer. The only difference between the two suffering is one, one ends and one doesn't. Really. You can't avoid the suffering. You could be an atheist, you're going to suffer. You can be the greatest Christian ever, you're going to suffer. But I think the way you experience the suffering is going to be different too. One, you know you're cooperating in God's mission and saving souls. The other is just like, you, you get angry and want to get, get it away. You know. All right? Anyone else? Yeah, I mean, you just lead by your example, right? I mean, you guys, we all lead by example. You can say a lot of things, but kids are going to follow your example. You know, and when you're young, you know, you don't think about what's in, always the most important thing, you know? We have all know that. You know, you choose things that are... You choose the easier path as a kid. That's what most kids do. You know, not all kids, but it's just more of a tendency to... Choose the easier way, you know, to find an easy way out. And we still do that. We still struggle with it, right? It's not like it ends. That's original sin. Again, it's focused on what's better for me. That's what abortion is. What's best for me? There's no focus on the other. Um, and I, I always like to say with, with people, you know, like, we, we, we got to say America can do better. And I think that's where we got to go. We can do better. 
let's help these women. Let's, let's encourage men. Let's pump some money into helping the men be better men, you know, form and finish. But again, we can only lead by example. We got to be the men that God calls us to be. And that's not going to happen without a prayer life. You know, if we're not praying, guys, you can talk to your blue in the face and nothing's going to ever change. You know, um, that's why if you notice in the Bible, there's a scripture in Acts of the Apostles and it says, this demon says, um, this demon tells someone that's trying to cast out demons, he goes, Paul we know. Um, I think it's Silas, we know who Silas is, we know who Paul is, but who the heck are you? This guy's this this random, I don't know his name, but he's trying to cast this demon out of this person. And the demon responds through the person. We know Paul, we know Silas, but who are you? There was no authority behind this person's ministry because they weren't in Christ. They didn't have the authority of the kingdom behind them. The authority of the kingdom is you and I standing in Christ. Right? And what, that goes back to these truths we're talking about. About living from love. Not to get love. Right? I, I want to spend myself for others. That's, that's, that's the attitude of a Christian. I want to spend my energy, my life, my time loving and serving. But if you're not aware of how much He loves you, you're not going to spend yourself at all. You're going to spend others so that you can have more. That's what abortion is. You know, I'll eliminate anyone that's going to impinge upon my lifestyle. And that's what, that's what our culture, that's that selfish mindset. That's original sin. But how do we help them? We pray, intercede, we fast. We live as men of God. Okay? Leonardo da Vinci. I didn't know that. So yeah, there's a good example. God can bring good out of anything. Look at the cross. He brought good out of that. But again, we, we lead as Christians by helping open hearts and minds to these beautiful truths of our faith. Um, so I think uh, it's time to hit the hay. What time's our rosary? Boom. 630. Ready? Good. So 6.30 in the chapel, we're going to pray our rosary. to 
Sharing. 